The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hello. On April 4th, just a little while ago, we explored whether business intelligence, also known as BI, is an oxymoron or a great way to make companies genuinely smarter, fast. Today, our experts take a deeper dive into why even the best technical intelligence isn't really smart if you don't have a solid strategy to go with it. Here's a reminder of the basics for those of you who are new to the term BI. BI, business intelligence, refers to computer-based techniques used in identifying, extracting, and analyzing business data, and my experts will explain more when I bring them on. A couple of quotes to start us off. Jason Rose sees it this way. Technology is an enabler. Having a strategy sets your roadmap for success. I like that, and that's what we're all about today. Brian Summer joins us today. He takes a mathematical approach. Brian says there are four kinds of BI strategies I see. The first is none, okay. Second is outdated. The third is accidental. And the fourth is purposeful. And Brian summarizes that by saying three of those are no good. I like that math, Brian. And Josh Greenbaum challenges the notion that BI can be the holy grail for business. He says the quest for that one true number, be it a sales forecast, demand signal, or other estimation is a fool's errand. Those are fighting words. We'll talk to Josh in a few minutes. So pour a cup and join us for part two of How Smart is BI Without a Strategy? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to our program. This is live episode number 32. Yes, we've been on the air 32 consecutive weeks, and I'm proud to announce that as of last week, we launched a new Game Changers show here on the Business Channel, In the Cloud with Game Changers, every Thursday live, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and that's my promo. So let's go. I'd like to tell you about my special guests today. They're always special. Jason Rose is head of business intelligence solution marketing at SAP. He leads the go-to-market activities for the industry's leading on-premise and cloud-based BI solutions, SAP Business Objects. Welcome, Jason. How are you today? I'm very well, Bonnie. How are you? I'm good. I want to tell a little more about my other guests, and then we'll get you to talk about your quotes. Brian Summer has over 30 years' experience in managing consulting with a focus on ERP software, business process reengineering, strategic consulting, and business ecosystems. Brian has presented to the executive committees of over 100 for the Fortune 500. Welcome today, Brian. How are you? Doing very well, Bonnie. Good to talk to you again. 
Thank you. Thanks for coming back. Always a pleasure to have you on the air. And Josh Greenbaum, father of, fa- founder, father, I think it's the same thing, of Enterprise Applications Consulting, EAC, has been in the enterprise software space for over 30 years. But Josh, as they say in the trade, you don't look it. He's been a computer programmer, systems analyst, after my own heart, author, consultant, and industry analyst, and early in his career as a statistical analyst for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Josh realized how hard it is for smart people to understand how to best use complex data. Welcome back, Josh. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you, Bonnie, for having me back. Good, good. My pleasure. And those of you who want to tweet us your questions, comments, anything, I'll be reading live tweets during the show. Tweet us to pound sign SAP radio. And if you want to tell us what you're drinking, pound sign SAP radio coffee. So let's kick this off. Jason Rose, I have a new quote from you I'd like to go into. This is an interesting one. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. So make sure your strategy is delicious. And we call the show Food for Thought. So talk to me, Jason. What, what do you think? <laughs> this is great. What are you thinking? So uh, just like I said, I mean, uh, really the strategy kind of being this other thing is almost like a diet. Um, if it's something you think you're going to implement, do for a few weeks, shed 10 pounds, and then kind of move on to the next initiative, you're probably not thinking about this correctly. Um, BI strategy really needs to become a part of your culture. And what I mean by that is regular cadence, just like you have to go to the gym regularly to keep fit and stay in shape, uh, a regular uh, diet of, uh, of good food and good thoughtful strategy about the different types of challenges that are being faced by the business, and a good partnership with the business. So making sure that um, if the business isn't there at the table with you, then likely you're not going to hit the mark because information in a vacuum is absolutely meaningless. So it's, ac- it's actually setting up those good lifestyle choices in your BI strategy that actually make it a part of your culture and make it a part of your daily routine. Great point of view. And, Jason, I'm going to ask you to expand on that for just a minute. You were alluding to the idea of going to the gym, fitness. You know, how many self-help books are there on staying thin, being fit, keeping your fat count down, whatever it is. You pick up a book. You go to a website. You read a blog. You ask the person sitting next to you on the bus or the train, how did you lose that weight? Everybody has a solution, and those are cookie-cutter solutions. Is strategy that easy, or does it have to be built from the ground up and customized exactly to your business, Jason? (laughs) I feel a bit like Tony Robbins now. I can say, yes, absolutely, strategy is that easy, and you can do it too, right? Um, I I, I think really it is, you know, strategy often sounds like something that's complicated, hard, was dreamed up at Stanford or some other university, Um, but really at the end of the day, it's a set of discussions um, with the business that says, hey, what are the issues you're facing? What is the data, the key performance indicators, the things that we can provide to you to help monitor those situations or even better, get in front of them? and really understand the leading indicators in your business and how can we keep those up to date, ongoing, and ensure that we're adjusting them over time to really be a good business partner and help accelerate the overall objectives of the CEO all the way down to the line manager that's maybe out there interacting with the customer. Tony Robbins' clone is born. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. You and I play very well together on the radio. I appreciate that. And let's turn to Brian Summer. Brian, I hear you're calling from a very special place today. You want to give us a clue? I'm at my uh, family at the family ranch in Texas, so we're that, just waiting for the mythical chupacabras to come running across the front forty right now. And what are those? What is what is mythical, and what are they? Oh, they're just uh, they're a fantasy kind of wild animal that supposedly exists in the Southwest. 
but uh, you know, it's kind of like a Yeti uh, for the desert, anyway. Oh my goodness, Yeti! I think is another word for Bigfoot. If I'm uh, if I've done my crossword puzzle homework well enough. Yeah, but it's okay. Chupacabra is more like coyote, a vampire deal. It's a vampire animal that kills goats more than anything else. But anyway, that's way Whoa. off topic. We're here to talk that, about BI today, right? We are. And I have. I want to ask you to expand and expound on your quote I read in the intro. There are four kinds of BI strategies. None, outdated, accidental, and purposeful, and three of those are no good. So how often, when you work with businesses and you consult with so many high-level companies, Brian, What's the percent of time you see the none, the outdated, and the accidental, as opposed to the purposeful? Well, believe it or not, you see the none a tremendous amount in the uh, small to medium-sized business. Um, You see it a lot more common there. Um, You still see it even in some of the Fortune 500-size accounts, but fewer there. And part of that, I think, was because a lot of companies thought it was just too expensive and too out of reach for them. And uh, newer cloud-based products have absolutely demolished that kind of perspective. Now, the technology is clearly there and clearly cost-competitive for the majority of the market. So none, I don't believe, is a justifiable excuse for not having a BI strategy. Um, if you want, I mean, on the outdated, I do see, still see a fair number of companies who are still trying to slog it things out by doing, you know, creating like super giant mega monstrous spreadsheets and calling that a business intelligence deal. They're dumping data from all kind of places and trying to put it in some kind of shared or collaborative spreadsheet. I do see some who are trying to, you know, who are still building giant monuments of their ERP data and stuffing multiple different data cubes and data marts in there. All of those are kind of, I think, outdated approaches, frankly. Uh, The data is old. By the time somebody actually can build the data mart or whatever to serve up information, the business and the competitive markets have changed and moved, and the stuff is no good anymore. And on the accidental one, I ran into a company that last fall that uh, was a mid-market firm, that just basically um, uh, was being given a gift from the gods, so to speak. They were, they were one of their uh, several actually of their largest customers were big box retailers who started sending them point of sale data that involved their transaction or their part number, excuse me. And they didn't have any way to crunch it, and so they found a little cloud tool and they put it in there, and then they started comparing that uh, with their point uh, with their ERP supply chain data. And they realized, holy cow, they told us they were only going to sell our stuff in 200 stores, and they're actually selling it in 1,100. And the products they said they were going to be selling, well, aren't, and others that we didn't build enough for are selling like crazy. And they ended up becoming not only a giant um, cloud analytics user, but they've now migrated and become you know, a, a killer in their space because they've gone and built on great analytic apps that turn them into category managers. But they're accidental. That's what they are. They accidentally lucked into this and took power to them for doing it, but it was accidental. And the last, obviously, is the purposeful company who knows what they're doing and why they're doing it. Right, which is what we're talking about today. I love the accidental story. I don't know if you're at liberty later on in the show to drop a name on that company, and so we'll know who it is. But uh, it, it's a beautiful thing when accidental it, – it's, it's accidental meets intelligence, I would dare to say, where somebody said, this is good stuff, let's pay attention, and that's the winning, winning outcome. And I want to bring on before our break Josh Greenbaum joining the panel. Josh, I have a quote from you kind of intriguing. Lotus123 created more problems than it solved. Hello? Talk to me. Great. Well, you know, I, Brian, I think just alluded to it, the, the monster killer, you know, multidimensional spreadsheet. Um, 
that that tends to swallow you know like a black hole all <clears throat> all intelligence within its grasp uh and i i was i am uh for better or worse old enough to have been around when lotus one two three uh and the original spreadsheet technology really hit the business world. I was there watching the CFO in my first company when I worked in out of college, uh, building the monster spreadsheet and pressing a button and a cell would light up with the answer to the question. And very quickly, there was never any doubt about the validity of that number. It became the gospel truth, regardless of the fact that indeed, as we found out later in some uh, sort of forensic analysis, there are serious flaws in the spreadsheet. But the idea that you can, you know, create a black, an intelligent black box and create out of that black box the the one true one true number, the one source of of, of truth, uh, really, I think, became ingrained in that in that world of Lotus One Two Three, and it's been a problem that that bedevils us today. Yeah, and that was, I, I alluded to, actually used your quote in my monologue today about, I said that you're saying BI cannot be the holy grail for business, that quest for the one number, and you said it's a fool's errand. So thank you for elaborating on that. Uh, I wanted to ask you, there's a word you tossed over the fence at me in your email last week that I have to have everybody hear. I think we have about a minute to explain it. The word is anandamide. You say there's a good reason the brain produces anandamide. Forgetting is as important to knowledge as as remembering. You've got 30 seconds. Enlighten us, please. Well, the, jo- the joke in cognitive uh, research circles is no one can remember what an andamide means because it's the neurotransmitter for forgetting. And it turns out that one of the more important aspects of cognitive intelligence and t- total intelligence is not just the ability to remember, but actually the ability to forget or to filter data and filter information. The man who discovered it asked famously in a book uh, Michael Pollan wrote, do you really want to remember every face you saw on the subway this morning? And that concept of filtering is actually built into the hardwired into our brains and needs to be hardwired into our BI strategies as well. Well, thank you. And before I forget, it's time for me to announce that we're ready for our first break. OMG, we don't want any anandamide coming and sneaking into the show. I'm Bonnie D. Gray. I'm happy to be here with my three special guests, Jason Rose, Brian S. Summer, and Josh Greenbaum. We'll be right back with more Coffee Break with Game Changers. Take it away, Brad. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram 
at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, let's. And we're not called Coffee Break for nothing, kids. So let's talk about what our guests are drinking today. Jason Rose, what's in your cup? And what does your cup look like today? I am at home in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and uh, I'm a bit of a home barista, so the only machine I can actually use in the kitchen is my espresso machine. So I'm enjoying a uh, Verve Coffee Espresso uh, Medium Roast uh, Latte, which I'm really enjoying right now. Lovely, lovely. And let's go to Brian Summer down on the ranch in Texas. What are you drinking today? Well, I can definitely tell uh, Josh is going to be the... Uh the valley uh, guy on the call with that drink um <laughs> i'm gonna go uh, i'm sitting here drinking a uh, a native texas drink it's called dr pepper uh also known as waco belly wash i'm having a nice 16 ounce <laughs> bottle of that right now brian I, I think a new comedian is born here on the radio show you're you're really on your game today thank you very much i appreciate that josh greenbaum what are you drinking and what kind of cup is it in well first of all i have to say you, we need to get brian to tell us the history of Dr. Pepper, he once spent a good half an hour illuminating me, and boy, I learned a lot from just that, that 30 minutes with Brian. Uh, today, today's a boring day insofar as from Coffee Land, my uh, French guest went to Pete's to buy me French roast and came back with Anniversary Blend, whatever that Ooh. is, uh, which I put into my French press and um, came up with a, you know, Pretty workmanlike cup of coffee, but not not my not my fiery death-defying espresso that I like to have. You guys are rocking today. This is amazing. It's time for me to read the tweets, and we have a bunch of them today. Jeff, our loyal coffee tweeter, is drinking Starbucks Dark Espresso Roast RT. Thank you, Jeff. Thrilled to have you on board. Malcolm, of course, he's the big Equator coffee fan. He says today is all about the home ground. Drip Brewed Equator Coffee TK Espresso. Yes, you can drip it, and it's worth every drop. Beautiful ad for them, Malcolm. Kristen, the lovely Kristen, says, this is a health lesson, kids. Not only is water an essential part of life, but it's an essential part of my diet. She's down 23 pounds, getting ready for that gorgeous wedding dress. Congratulations, Kristen. And Margo is on with us today. She says, great lineup today. And thank you, Margo. And she's drinking local roast Panther Coffee. And she quoted uh, our quote said strategy becomes a part of your culture. So thank you, Margo. So I just received an email from Jason Rose a few minutes before the show. And Jason, I wanted to kick off this serious part of this segment with what you said here. You said a good BI strategy requires planning and rigor where needed, but also a realization that sometimes speed is priority number one. Let's kick off with that. What do you mean? When do you weigh the thoughtfulness and the planning and the scope and the specs with, hey, guys, let's just get it done now? What's the, what's the trade-off? Well, there's, there's no real magic formula. However, I would say there are, um, you know, reporting, and, and in some BI circles, I think reporting's almost become a bad word. Um, but reporting, dashboarding, kind of regular updates to the field tend to take more of a standard form. 
Uh, particularly, even if it's daily or nearly real-time in nature, that requires a certain level of automation, uh, thoughtfulness, preparation, and, and generally those reports, even though the content may be dynamic, um, the actual process around them should become quite static. It shouldn't be something that you're scrambling every morning to create that report. In other instances, hey, sometimes there's a new project, a new set of data, uh, maybe something blows up in the, uh, in the marketplace, a new competitor enters or a product is deemed unsafe. And you need to scramble and you need to be able to let your business analysts mash up information from a number of different sources, change hierarchies, do what-if analysis. And I think there's really two different approaches. One is more the systematic, almost developer-driven IT approach. And the other one is the more business analyst. Hey, the business is always changing. Therefore, my process, my analyst, um, analysis, and the questions I'm asking are always changing. And I think a lot of times we try to make one Uber strategy that takes into account both those use cases when really they're very different ways of looking at the business with extremely different cadences. Very good point. Brian, uh, you wrote to me a, a very important question along the lines of what we're discussing with Jason. You said, what exactly do business executives want from BI solutions? And that's always a good idea to figure out what you want before you build something or scramble or have it accidentally <laughs> land on your plate. You say a tool set, industry templates, or purpose-built applications. In your experience, what have you found? And comment on what Jason said as well, please. Well, I'll pick up on Jason's point. Let's talk about that that speed deal because that's really sure. important. Um, and Jason's spot on on his observation. Let me just put a little color around that. The the speed of business has absolutely picked up. I mean, you know, because three quarters of this world now have like a cell phone, and their you know internet connections become ubiquitous. Competitors pop up all over the planet, and I think what we're seeing is almost a bifurcation of businesses where you have those that are what I would call event-driven businesses, and there are others that are still trying to maintain a very self-centered or uh, egotistical kind of way of running their IT and their business. The latter group, um, these are folks who actually have the chutzpah, whatever, to think that Chutz, chutzpah, 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 chutzpah. Me, uh, that there they you can go. run their business using, Nothing wrong um, with it. That's how they do it in Texas. Okay, yeah, okay well, I'll sorry. forgive him. Continue, thanks, Brian. Thanks, sorry. Uh, I, I, it's good to know I still feel the love from you. Um, You're my man. Don't worry. <laughs> And I'm from New York, and we have to say chutzpah, so sorry. Right, well, go anyway, ahead, Brian. got some real cheek. How about that? <laughs> there uh, you go. I love and it. the way that they run their firms, they think that they can do it all just with uh, taking their sweet time and looking at data, that, accounting data that comes out of their ERP system. And talk about an insular and flawed approach to uh, figuring out what's going on in the competitive market space, What's going on? Different kind of events out there in the world that are shaping and changing your business. That's just that's just doomed to fail. And yet companies continue to persist in that to this very day. You look at the contents, and ninety percent of the systems out there. I'm just pulling a number out on that, but a mm-hmm. huge amount of the data is internal transaction data that somehow, one way or another, ends up showing up eventually, maybe in a general ledger or an ERP system. The event-driven companies look at things like, oh wow. Check that out. The Federal Reserve just raised the prime lending rate, or uh, or the Fed funds rate, excuse me, or um, a major competitor has just failed or exited a market, or uh, the price of some key commodity has just dropped, I don't know, 50 cents a pound just in the last few minutes, uh, you know, in the commodities exchange, and on and on and on. Those 
if you ever did a time and motion study of top executives in major firms like CFOs and chief operating officers, many of them in their their offices today have a flat-screen TV that's always turned on. It may be muted, but it's got the stock ticker crawl going on the bottom and everything else, and they're watching because they don't spend their day looking in their ERP system. In fact, they may only look at their ERP system 10 or 15 minutes a week. Mm. No. And the same thing with some of their current BI tools, because it just doesn't deliver value. It's not real time. It's not driven off of the cool events and things that are happening in the marketplace around them. And this is why you have to build these kinds of solutions very quickly, and they've got to be very responsive, and they absolutely have to be focused on the outside business world, not just the inside world. Very interesting. So we're talking about uh, building a, a building or a business with glass walls so you can literally see everything going on in the world around you. And, and that implication as well, Brian, is that no matter where a company is, there's a global implication for everything they do. The world is happening one click away, one TV screen away, one radio station away. Would you agree with that, that you have to be aware all the time on what it does to you at any moment in time? Absolutely. You have to be very aware, and you've got to be able to react on a dime. And this creates the implication that um, people who think that they have the luxury of spending years in building their new latest monument to BI in their firm are probably don't really understand the problem. Uh, they're, Very they're, interesting. They're, they're building something that um, you know is just not going to provide value. It, uh, by the I- time they get it operational, it's, it's done. Put a fork in it. Sure. So the just do it, just be you, those kind of mantras are certainly operative today. Well, in the second, in the next segment of the second part of the roundtable after the next break, Brian, I'd like to come back and you can remind me as long as I don't have any anandamide uh, impacting my brain. I'd like to talk about the, that word's just going to rock my world, Josh Greenbaum. Thank you very much. You know, we're going to have to talk about it, the, the, uh, we are. The human and analog at some point of it, which is. And, and you're next here in a second, but I wanted Brian to remind me, I want to talk about, and, and one of my favorite topics, on the show is the DNA of the people who are going to get this done and be successful and help their companies succeed, the Game Changer DNA. And that's really the core of why we're doing the Game Changer radio series. So let's turn to Josh Greenbaum, who does remember who he is and what he's talking about. Josh, chime in on this. We've covered a lot of territory here. Where do you want to go with this? Well, you know, I I think, first of all, you know, the the very graphic description of, of, you know, of the the non-strategic BI world that, that both Brian and Jason have been giving us is, is really, you know, very apt and very important. I, I've always said, you know, when you most data warehouses are, you know, look, looking looking for answers in a data warehouses like driving, driving down the highway, looking through the rearview mirror. It's it's really not a very safe way to, to 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 drive a car. It's not a safe way to run the business. And I think that you know this this we we talk. Very early on, Jason's sort of comment about culture and the culture of information. This is this is one of my obsessions. It's 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 very hard to make it make it easy. It's very hard to make it easy for companies to really know what to do with data, knowing how to take data, how to take complex uh, these these inputs, and particularly as they are increasing in size and quantity and scope, and, and really operationalize them is not necessarily a core competence. That, that comes out of the business school uh, uh, mm-hmm. curriculum of today. So, so we're 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 also sort of tethered to not just some old methodologies, but some limits in our thinking as to how to, how to actually get 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 this this data problem, get over this data problem, and really do some some true true business intelligence. 
Now let's go back a little bit to the quote I included in my intro from you. You have another goodie here in my notes. You say, absolute data corrupts absolutely. Those are fighting words. Talk to me. What do you mean? Well, you know, I, Brian knows me well. I probably, he probably says, oh, Josh was thinking about Google at the time, and, and maybe I was. But one of the problems we have, you know, the flip side of, of not understanding how to work with data is that too much too much information is also a problem. This is this is back to my anandamide analogy. Um, being able to to apply the right filters and really use those that filter well is, is absolutely essential. One of the things you can you can really suffer from as a, as an organization, particularly when you start wiring all the data inputs into your organization. Now you start you know building that next generation analytical engine. Is, is you can also have a problem about of too much data and too much data uh, itself. You know, has a lot, of, a lot of issues associated with it. Uh, the, the, you know, to pick on Google, the Google analogy is one that, that I, I personally worry about because the flip side of collecting so much data and tracking so many things is, is an enormous privacy and security problem. And we, we have to balance how much we want to understand the world, particularly once we, we start putting our tendrils into the consumer world, into our individual employees' behavior, into a lot of, uh, if you're in the healthcare world, into patient information, mm-hmm. if you're in regulated in- industries, into other kinds of areas, you have to be very, very careful what you're doing with that data as well. And that, that becomes part of the data stewardship issue that, that has to be always at play as you're looking into this next generation business intelligence opportunity. Thank you, Josh. Well put. We're up against a bumper called a break right now, and I can remember that one again. We'll be come back with more Coffee Break with Game Changers with Josh, Brian, and Jason. We'll talk about the DNA of the people who make this happen. When do you get to be too hungry for data and realize you put too much on your plate? That's an interesting analogy. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that dial, however you're listening. And don't have the chutzpah to turn us off. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, Bonnie D. Graham, back with my special guests, Jason Rose, Brian S. Summer, and Josh Greenbaum. Brian, we're going to kick it off with you. I'd like you to talk to me just for a couple seconds, if you will, about the DNA of who should be in charge of BI strategy and even the whole notion of BI in any size company. Who is best suited as far as their education, their training, their point of view, their mindset, their worldview? Talk to me. Well, I think... uh I think BI sometimes is almost like a communal effort. You're going to need some people with some great technical skills because they know like where to get the data and how to bring it in and you know populate things. But it's not. It trust me, it's not just a technical challenge. I think you need some people who really understand. And let's just pick one skill set. Somebody has to have, and that's called forecasting. And I'm not talking about the straight line linear extrapolation stuff that people do in Excel all day long. Uh, you need people who get things like game theory and how to do multivariate uh, types of um, you know progression analysis. They've got to be able to do that because that's what people are going to use this information for for very complex kinds of simulations and forecasting. One of my clients, um, one of the people there, actually used an expression that was, it gets the point across. He felt like he needed to get a a forehead upgrade. He needed a bigger forehead mm. to handle all the new skills and things that he needed to actually move with a with new BI kinds of solutions. Um, anyway, the the bottom line is, I think you need people who also know how to work with less than perfect information. Do they know how to work with proc- data that gives some proxies, if you will, of what's probably going to happen? And that's a different kind of animal than, say, an accountant who must deal in absolute, with absolute certain kinds of information. I don't know if Jason and Josh are going to disagree with me on this, but those are just a couple things that come right to mind. I actually, I have to jump in and say, I, I, particularly on, on the whole concept of, of less than perfect data, this is the absolutely perfect um, discussion point. Um, it, it's fascinating. But, yeah, I have young children, so I'm involved in trying to understand early childhood education and how it has evolved since I was an early childhood education consumer. Um, and one of the things that doesn't get taught enough, interestingly enough, is estimation in the math world. We try to teach absolute techniques and absolute numbers and absolute concepts. We don't do enough 
with the notion of estimating. And estimating is really uh, turns out to be one of the great the great skills in, in true math uh, knowledge and true number num- numerology is to be able to actually look at something and get and guess at it and guess at it accurately. That's that's hard to do. That takes that takes an innate understanding of information data. Uh, that that isn't something you get from being able to do quadratic equations until you're blue in the face. I think that's a, a great point, Josh. The one the one thing I would say is is don't let the estimation be an excuse for not trying to get to a accurate answer. And what I mean by that is the best estimates are usually uh, based on the closest uh, approximation of an accurate answer you could get to. So if you're estimating based on a bad assumption or a bad set of information, your estimate probably isn't going to be right. But the more the closer to reality your information is, the better off your estimate likely will be. Right. Well, this is this is also kind of the riff, you know, a riff on on my comment that that the quest for the one true numbers is a fool's errand, and you know the the correlate to that is always you know a fool with a tool is still a fool. The the problem of the problem of the the absolute truth, of course, is that it, it just doesn't simply exist. And you know, my favorite book of the year, I think I mentioned the last time I was on on radio with you, Bonnie, is the Flaw of Averages by Sam Savage, and. Sam is a, is a statistician, teaches at Stanford, and, 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 a, and a bit of a contrarian, but he makes a, an excellent point that when you're trying to look at complex behavior, whether it's business behavior or human behavior, to say that there is a single, a single number, a single point of behavior that describes both the past and predicts the future is really, really flawed. You need to have, look at, look at behavior, business behavior, human behavior, as a range of possibilities. You don't have a single Salesforce cast. You want a distribution of possible forecasts with the probabilities for those numbers attached. And then you, then, then you make that intelligent estimate as the decision maker armed with this kind of information. But to, to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to create a BI system that's going to give you the single sales forecast Mm-hmm. Is, is is really falsifying the whole concept of beyond. Sure. All right. Now, I, I, I want to jump in here for a second. I want to add and introduce the R word, the word of risk. Now, it's great to talk about estimates and guesstimates and educated guesses and BI systems, uh, but I'm going back to my DNA question to Brian when we kicked off this segment. What is the risk factor for the, the, the CEO, the CIO, the CFO, whoever is making these decisions and putting the company's business on the line and saying, this is my best guess? How close to Perfect. In other words, what percent of of reality, validation, truth do they have to get to, even if it's not perfect, so that they get to keep their job and the company stays afloat? We all know social media. We talked about it. The fact that the world is watching everything you do today, every decision, every press release, every stock price, every business decision. So. They're not operating in a vacuum. They're operating in a very busy social world. Now, let me start off with, let me go back to Brian. What do you think about this? What's the risk factor? Uh, the risks are absolutely huge. And, and, and Thank you. Let, let's, let's, uh, let's use a couple of realistic examples. Uh, if I'm a retailer, for example, and uh, I constantly monitor, well, like many firms do, things like same-store sales, and I'm looking at what SKUs sold uh, this, uh, you know, this day, this week, this month, whatever. If I do forecasting the way most firms do, I just assume tomorrow is going to be just like today, but maybe one tenth of a percent bigger or something that stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, you know, the problem with those kind of environments is they don't look at what's changing in the outside market. 
Now, a smart firm might use something like uh, there's a technology, Salesforce.com, bought called Radian 6, which monitors, and I'm not plugging them or anything else. I don't have any relationship. It's just an example here. But, but they monitor all the traffic out there in the social world, so they know what people are tweeting about, what they're blogging and writing about, and so forth. And if you married your sales information, your inventory information, uh, against what's going on in the uh, real world, with what are people talking about, what are they really saying about products, and so forth, you might realize, ooh, I need to dramatic, dramatically change the mix of products I stock and maybe even the pricing on some of them or whatever because uh, the market is moving and I need my store to move with the market as uh-huh. opposed to linearly in doing the, repeating the same thing we've done before in the past without any clue what's going on there. So, yeah, you got to do it. And the risk is, uh, in, particularly in industries with very narrow margins like retailers and uh, big box retailers in particular, you can go out of business within a season if you just don't understand how the world has changed from last Christmas to this Christmas buying season. You're done. You will you will not exist. So it's not just a risk for the CEO. The CEO is going to lose their job, but you know there could be hundreds of thousands of people who lose mm-hmm. their jobs when that chain goes bankrupt. Thank you. I, I needed that reality check for our listeners. I didn't mean to be a, a damper or party pooper on our conversation, but I think it's important to talk about how close do you really need to come. So, Jason, well, Josh, I, I away. Need to jump in, Bonnie. I'm sorry. This is yeah. Josh. But, but, you know, the, the, the thing that really emphasize is, you know, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. I mean, to, yes. to not take those risks as a business executive today is to not be in business flat out. You can't operate without a, 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 um, an appetite and a capacity for risk taking today that that would have made you, you know, a raving lunatic uh, generation ago. Uh, business is different in that sense. So, yeah, you know, the, the, it's it's lonely at the top more and more for these decision makers because the the real time nature of the business and the complexity of the interactions with customers and partners and stakeholders of all kinds mm-hmm. takes this risk to to levels we've never. Dreamed of uh, the you know a uh, pharmaceutical manufacturing company that I worked with recently you know places a billion you know billion dollars on the table every time it tries to come up with a new drug, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't spend a billion dollars on on tracking the provenance of its raw materials and the manufacturing processes that it's using to make these drugs, the FDA will walk in the, walk in that factory door and shut it down from one hour to the next flat out, and your that billion dollar investment is gone. That's an operational hazard that intelligence mm-hmm. and, 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 and particularly BI and, and close, careful monitoring of the business uh, makes, makes a necessity because you, you simply can't live in that billion-dollar risk world as a pharma manufacturer and not, and not be able to anticipate risk and, and avoid it. So which brings up the point that BI is the means and not the end. And I want to segue. We have about three minutes left to the segment. I want to segue to each of you chiming in on what is in a good BI system. What should you look for? What should you ask your developers to do? What should you buy? Brian, why don't you start me with this? I, well, just, I'll give an example. Um, mm-hmm. It's not enough to build a, a warehouse of interesting data. I think you have to be thinking about uh, multiple levels of um, column solutions, products, whatever answers that you're targeting for. Uh, in the case of that manufacturer, I told you what was really fascinating, the accidental uh, BI firm, uh, first they built a um, cloud warehouse and compared their point of sale data, and what they did is that helped them 
optimize their backward-looking supply chain so that they were going to um, delight their buyer, their customers and not run out of stock. Well, then they got smarter. They realized they could use that stuff to analyze that even further and find out, you know, what's the seasonality of products and what's the best way to display it. Next thing you know, they're building a planogram system on an iPad to show these retailers the best way to do it. And by the way, they're now using it for the third generation to absolutely clock the competition because they now know the margins of everything that's being made and they know how to position their products even better against the competition. You have to have those kind of destination points in mind when you're building this mm-hmm. stuff or you're not going to get there. Exactly. Jason, Jason, talk to me. We have about two minutes left. Sure. Break. So I, I would say it's not so much what's in the system to, uh, to Brian's point. I think you, you gave a great retail example, but obviously if you're in public services or in um, uh, you know mining, mills, and manufacturing, what's actually in the system is going to be different. But I think it's more of... What are the capabilities? What are the characteristics of a BI system that we'd like to see? And, you know, there's a, a few different levels uh, that I think need to be addressed within that system, and I alluded to some of these earlier. And one is that ability to handle fast-moving data in a very automated fashion and get it out to what I would call the um, points of engagement within the organization. So if that's a, if you're a retailer, maybe that's the clerk at the store dealing with real-time promotional information. Um, if you're a miner about to get on a, um, a lift to go down and, and extract coal, maybe it's just the number of uh, tons the, the crew before you extracted, and uh, maybe you want to try to top that, uh, that output, uh, obviously, in a very safe manner. Um, so really it's about, um, you know, the capability to handle uh, operational information, uh, the ability to handle information that maybe needs to have a higher level of scrutiny and accuracy, so uh, namely financial information or other types of information. And then, you know, I'd say at the top of the pyramid is really that external sensing information, which uh, goes back to the risk points that were made earlier. You know, what are the things in our environment that if they happen, we're going to be in big trouble. If they don't mm-hmm. happen, then maybe we're even in bigger trouble. It's almost the concept of there's the unknown, which is very difficult to plan for, but then there's the known unknown. There's things that you simply aren't going to know, and then there's the known known, that things that you uh, you know are going to happen and you need to plan for accordingly. And I think if you can handle the operational, the transactional, and then the external sensing, regardless of the industry or the context, you're going to be in good shape to meet the needs of the business. And I have a known known, and that's we are out of time on this segment. Sorry for the bad segue, but we've got to get off and make way for just a quick break before we come back with the final. So we'll lead off with Josh, and we're going to do the roundtable at the end of Crystal Ball. What do you see BI looking like, sounding like, feeling like five years from today? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we're having a great conversation today about BI. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9 percent of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com 
Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, let's. Before I introduce our crystal ball segment, I want to want to give a word, a shout out to all of our listeners. In the month of March, we had over 23,000 of you tuning into the show, mostly on demand and we're everywhere. So we appreciate it. We hope you'll stick with us. But if you have people who are colleagues, friends, uh, anybody starting up a business, anybody at the top of the food chain in an established business, and they think a business conversation has to be dry and boring with a bunch of slides, Ask them to tune into Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're rocking it. We have interesting speakers. They care about their topics. They're passionate. They talk to each other and with each other. I think we're changing the game for business conversations. I'm going to go out on that limb and make that guesstimate to my guests here. So Josh Greenbaum, five years from today, will be, let's see, it'll be May 9th, 2017. What will BI look like, sound like, feel like in your crystal ball? I, I think visualization of information and operational intelligence is going to be one of the great, the great new trends. It's, it's starting already. We're, we're really understanding again that, that columns of numbers and numbers in general are hard to grasp. The visual cortex of our brain is, uh, frankly, a little bit better established and more universally uh, accessible. And being able to take complex concepts that that, get, that that once were buried in, in arcane mathematical formulas and and turn them into a visual a visualization of information I think it's really going to be one of the one of the great trends coming up in, in the next five years I'm, I'm I'm actually pretty excited about it I think we're going to change how we think about information because we're going to change how we look at it and look at it tip, uh, look at it Literally, that's what you're talking about. Literally, look literally, at it. I like that. Literally, take, listen. Yeah, stop, you know, stop. The, the spreadsheet is great. The spreadsheet, you know, was of course, we call it a spreadsheet because it was literally a spreadsheet. There was a sheet mm-hmm. of paper with boxes on it, and we just replicated that in the in the in, in the in the computer world. We're now going to take a real quantum leap 
in under in, in that that visualization. It's going to be very very impressive. Great observation. If you keep on being so passionate about this, I just might have to invite you back to talk about that in the fall. So be careful. Let's talk to Brian S. Summer from his ranch in Texas. Brian, what's in the crystal ball from your point of view? Well, I think some of the most uh, transformative things that happen in technology are usually triggered by three or more things happening at once. In the ERP space uh, or the app space, think that the trifecta, if you will, uh, is social, cloud, and mobile. And in the BI space, I think the trifecta that's going on right now involves uh, big data, analytics, and in-memory database technology. And what those three things are doing is they're creating an opportunity for applications like which we've never seen possible or seen feasible, except for those who maybe had a supercomputer. And what we're getting now is that the cost of doing BI, I think, is plummeting rather quickly. The availability of these kind of BI uh, applications and capabilities and tools for all the way down to small businesses is exploding. And the, the kinds of things and the quantities of information that can be crunched are, you know, in just mind-blowing levels now. And what that's going to mean is there's probably going to be, I know this country faces a shortage of uh, skills in the um, science, math, engineering, and, you know, technical areas. I think we're going to have an even bigger crunch because I don't think most companies have got a clue what they need right now for BI uh, skills or where they're going to find them. And I'm not even sure all the universities are really geared up to kind of meet the demand that's going to happen over the next few years. Thank you, Brian. And let's talk to who we have left here, Jason Rose. Great. Well, thanks, Bonnie. And uh, I think Brian raises uh, an interesting point, and it kind of uh, harkens back to uh, Josh's comment on the uh, fool with a tool um, the iPad or the iPad 2 has as much computing power as a Cray supercomputer did uh, in 1994. Wow. So, yes. So talk about, um, you know, high-powered computing uh, tools in the hands of, well, I, I won't take that to its conclusion. But the, the point being um, that I, I think there is a, a trifecta of technology happening here. And certainly uh, I think in-memory on a, on, a, on a massive scale uh, is important because obviously computers have had memory for a long time. And, that, and really what that, that equates to is not so much the technology itself, but it's speed and agility. Um, if you think about the typical data warehouse, the one that Josh laments is one that's fairly static, uh, doesn't change very quickly, and if it does need to change, requires a huge change order. Um, the beauty of in-memory is that you can create, break apart, and build new relationships on masses of amounts of information in no time. And basically, a business analyst can do that. So rather work than working with subsets of data, you can actually work with uh, full data sets and look at it in aggregate change those aggregates, update it. So I think it's really that agility and the ability to work with a broader swath of information um, in real time that really will take the latency out of the business so that now you've got information that um, keeps up with the pace of change. And I think it's the first time that rather than uh, a BI project starting off with, um, you know, what are your requirements, um, mm -hmm. the requirements change and evolve over time. And we basically just say, here's the system go to it, and requirements gathering almost becomes a bit of a thing of the past, although I, I won't go so, so extreme as to say it's eliminated. 
Interesting. I'm hearing that the we talked about the DNA of the people involved at the top of an organization. You have to have some flexibility built into your soul, right? You have to be able to say times are changing. We have to change them. We have to do it differently, better. We have to accommodate the needs and and have a vision. Have a vision for where we want to go today, tomorrow, and long into the future. On that note, I'm going to announce talking about the future upcoming on our shows next week, May 16th, bringing mobility to higher education. Would you believe there's an app that was developed for the university familiarly known as Ole Miss, and it's a networking app that's got everybody connected, massive amounts of people. We're going to talk to the developer, and we're going to talk to a woman who is at the top of this chain at Ole Miss next week here on Game Changers. The week after, we're doing another part two on subsidiaries, and the title of that show, you're going to love this, is No, Virginia, the World is Not Flat. On May 30th, we're going to be talking about the consumerization of IT, one of the earliest topics we did last October. And coming up tomorrow on In the Cloud with Game Changers, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Yes, got to keep my time straight. We're going to be talking about the newest hybrid in the fast lane. It's the cloud, so you got to tune in and hear our experts on that show. I want to do some shout-outs. Appreciation to Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, Malcolm Kimberlin, and the team at the Business Channel. We have two minutes left. I'm going to give each of my guests a 30-second roundup, a quick summary, anything you want to do with this. Let's start with Jason Rose. Wrap up for me real fast. Sure. Well, uh, just like a good marketer, I'll recap from the top. And, uh, again, I think the, the BI strategy, if it's something isolated, if it's a, a brief diet that you're going to go on and implement in your company, then don't bother. It really needs to be something that you consistently work with your business partners to nurture and maintain over the life of your entire company, not something that you just do as a one-off project. Thank you. I think you gave an extra three seconds over to Brian Summer. Brian, you can have 33 seconds. Fast. Uh, My best uh, point, I want everybody on the call to uh, shake out the cobwebs out of their head and think about how they could use all kinds of external data, whether it's uh, weather data uh, credit information, uh, payment history information, whatever they get from third parties, uh, news events, and they need to be prototyping and figure out how they could use that to drive um, a, a better bottom line for their firm. Thank you very much. And Josh Greenbaum, you could have your whole 30 seconds because that's all we have, kid. Except I have just one word, talent. Oh, talent. Talent. I forgot. What was that other word you had? I already <laughs> forgot it now that meant forgetting things. I, I can't remember that one. Anand- one anandamide, anandamide. What's six, talent about? It's only six letters. Oh, the bottom line here, here is the, the crisis in, in business intelligence that we're facing is not about technology. We've got great technology. It's not even about great methodology. We've got a lot of great methods and tools. We need talent. We need people inside the organization who understand what to do with that information. And that's going to be, the, I think, the biggest challenge going forward. There you go. We're locked in. Thank you to Jason Rose, Brian S. Summer, Josh Greenbaum. See, Brian, I love middle initials. I have one, too. We're going to get them back in October for more about BI because I think the world will have evolved enough that we'll already have a crystal ball viewpoint by then. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much for joining me again for the 32nd episode of Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. 
The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back. 